Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. And uh, in that moment, like, oh, you, I was a little bit like disappointed, like, now I can't go into Montenegro, but I was also super excited. Uh, but this excitement was also was a preparation based on what are we living for and and not to become disheartened by things that don't work out as you've planned and really leaning on God's understanding and trusting Him that He can too work this situation out for our good. As Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purposes. I know I love God. Why? Because He first loved me. And I know that I'm living on purpose for God and for His kingdom. So guess what? I, 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 I positioned my heart for this reality and I said, Lord, here I am, use me. And this town of Schroeder, which is the, the, um, the town that was uh, closest to the border, this town of Schroeder will be impacted today with the love of Christ because I'm going there and you're going to be using me. And so um, I left the border, tried to find a taxi, got into a taxi, drove to uh, this, this, this town, Schroeder, and... Uh, Man, it was awesome. Like the another awesome thing that happened in that town, um, what I realized, and this is also something that I encourage the team with: live every day as if it's your last. Be on mission every day as if it's your last. Because I even experienced that as as it being my last day. Um, firstly, obviously, God was preparing and doing things in my heart, and so sh- things are shifting, and then it gets the 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 the, the passion and the zeal and the the. the the vision that you have for the people and what you're seeing becomes more intensified as you're busy doing this. And it's like a snowball effect. So that also obviously <coughs> excuse me, added to the, the, the effect and the impact that I, I believe I had in the town. But it was really significant and uh, got to meet some amazing people, got to minister to them. And um, we've never been in that town as well. None of the family's been there. So I pioneered in a sense in that town where... There was actually more mosques than in duress, actually, like visibly you could see and experience more um, uh, uh, infiltration of the Muslim faith, for example. Um, uh, and so there's definitely a work that God wants to do. And in me, being able to go there was the start of many more uh, things. And uh, we're excited for, for that. But I wouldn't have been able to do that if my heart wasn't set on being on purpose and being about my father's business. So I'm excited for that and still in connection with some of those people and will be continuing to minister to them. Because like we said, in some cases someone would hear the gospel right now and they would receive right now. But those are the exceptions. In most of the cases, people would hear the gospel now, have some reserves, and you would kind of chat through them and you would meet up with them again, chatting through these reserves and ministering to them until they are ready to receive the gospel. Because it's no point... And we've seen this oftentimes with a lot of our outreaches, and that's why we've got a, um, a, a booklet as well helping you. And this, this, this bracelet really helps you to, to navigate and help them clearly understand what is the gospel. Because we can often dilute the gospel, right? We can, we can make it about a prayer. Okay, this is Jesus. This is what He done for you. Are you ready to pray with me? Let's pray this prayer. Okay, Jesus... But they don't understand what you, what's happening. What are you doing right now? And so it's super important to make sure they understand what is the gospel, what did Jesus come to do, and what does that mean for you? And then 
you want to respond. And oftentimes you don't even have to pray. Imagine that. Because if they believe in their heart and they say, yes, Lord, it's done. Imagine that. Sometimes we make it so complicated and systematic that you need to do this and you need to say it like this and you need to do that. Just putting such a limitation on God, right? Then the last day, so that was my second last day. Up until that, that day, I, I didn't really have engagements with too many convicted Muslims. Up until that point, it was like, yeah, I'm Muslim, but it's culturally I'm Muslim. My family is Muslim, so I'm Muslim. Like a lot of Christians, right? And so, um, so I met a lot of those type of Muslims, and then like obviously some atheists and uh, Catholic people, etc., but on my, on my last day, it was super funny. Before I share that, 1 Peter 3.15. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Peter 3.15. Uh, but in your heart, set Christ apart as holy and acknowledge Him as Lord. Always be ready. Say, ready. Be ready. Always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope that is in you, but do it courteously and respectfully. So when should you be ready? What should you be able to do? Give a logical defense. Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, if someone would have to ask me right now, why do I believe in the Bible? Why am I a Christian? You would not have an answer. And that's okay if that's you. But realize that's you. And ask yourself, how are you going to change that? I can't change it for you. God can't change it for you. You need to make a choice, a conscious effort to be ready. We've got amazing resources and we've got amazing uh, courses and things that we'll be hosting again in the future. And when those courses come, you need to respond and say, I want to be equipped. I want to be trained more to be ready. As Pete encouraged the people, be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope that is in you. People can see the hope that is in you maybe. But when they ask you why, Jesus, why are you so hopeful? And you say, well, it just seemed like the right thing to do. They'll just lose all confidence or, or openness to find out more. It's that important, guys, to be ready to give an account. And so I was at this one coffee shop before I was heading to the, to the airport. And uh, there I got to meet and again... I was purposeful and intentional about reaching and reaching out to the, the, the manager of the coffee shop. And he had a bunch of questions about Christianity. He's a, he's a Muslim. And uh, the questions are always the same. Like it's always like three main questions reserved for them to think that Christianity is just a, a cult. It's just a, a, a twisted version of, of another religion. And praise God, I was ready to counter him and ask him questions about his faith. And before I knew it, um, the guys that were with me could also experience that he withdrew because he realized he doesn't have a foot to stand on. And I'm not sharing that with you to say like, okay, cool, I was, I was able to, to put him in the corner, or I was able to put him in his place, or I was able to um, uh, push him away from Jesus. No, because I was so convicted and I had answers for his questions and I could counter what he believes and I got him to doubt. What did I get him to doubt in? Not in Jesus, in Islam. And that's a seed zone. If you can get someone to doubt in what they believe, 
they're one way closer to believe something else. Realize that. It's not always going to be a, a, a miraculous thing of you convincing someone in the moment. But if you get, to doubt, get them to doubt at least in what they believe, then they're one step closer to receive Christ. And so that was awesome. And uh, then I was getting on the bus to go to the plane. And like I said, like, because it was so, like, uh, and even as, I'm, I've, as I've been back in South Africa, like, I'm asking God, continue to just show me, like, where, are, where, where people are at and, and help me understand that I'm as much on mission right now as I was in Albania. You experience the severity of people stayed more there because, like I said, I did not meet one Christian. Whereas here, you'd walk down the street and every second person at least would be Christian. So I was on a bus and it was amazing to just see the, again, the, the intentionality that was birthed in my heart. Um, where even, so now you're standing on a bus and now you've got about five minutes of engaging with someone. And I look at someone's jacket and say something about Canada and I ask the question, are you from Canada? Why am I asking him? Not because I'm curious whether he's from Canada. I'm asking him because I'm, I'm, I'm seeking to build connection. And from the connection, I get to minister Jesus to him. So I got his contact details again. So like, when you know that the time is short as well, you, you, you're strategic about, okay, cool, I only have five minutes with him. So I don't know how far this five minutes is going to go. But if I get his contact details or I get to connect with him on social media, then I get to further build relationship and reach out. I actually forgot about this. I got to... Um, uh, connect with a guy from Serbia as well on our way from, from Switzerland to, to Serbia with our rerouting. And even that rerouting and the plans that changed, it was significant because I got to minister to a guy from Serbia, I got to connect with him and I'll stay in connection with him. So even in those things, like you could be complaining and upset like it didn't work out, like why, like we're a day later now in Albania. No, someone from Siberia got to, to, to experience the love of Christ and will continue to experience that because we were open and obedient to hear from God. So, um, so I was super excited to now, I connected with this guy on Instagram, and I'm super excited to, to, to wait and see if I get maybe seated next to him on the plane. Now, something else that was also happening, there was this bunch of Muslim guys on this plane as well. Maybe a group of eight guys, and they dressed in Muslim attire, which is also something that we didn't usually see, because the people are mostly nominal believers there. They don't really go to the mosque, but they are Muslim. And so I see these guys and I'm like, Lord, I know you want to reach them as well. You want to minister to them. But uh, man, I'm tired. It's been a long trip. It's been a lot of ministry. Like even this morning, like it took it out of me to minister to this Muslim guy that was just like, uh, uh, just there was a lot of like just spiritual obviously attack happening there. And uh, just a, a warfare in a sense. And so I was like, I'd rather sit next to this guy because I can see he's not a Muslim. And if he is, then he'll be nominal. So it will be maybe an easier opportunity and so what happens is, uh, I obviously get placed next to these Muslim guys. And so I go sit next to him and like, oh, okay. But now on the other side of the aisle, this guy that I connected with is sitting and his seat is open next to him. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, cool. When we take off now, I'm definitely getting up and going to go sit next to him. <laughs> so that's what I'm, uh, the carnality that's going off in my, in my mind. And guess what the opening question of this Muslim guy is to me? You would never believe. Are you a Muslim? <laughs> of all of the questions that he could ask me, I've never had anyone ever ask me that. Why would, like, I, I still don't know why he asked me. Um, and so obviously, guess what happened? Two hours of ministry happened and uh, got to connect with him and 
The awesome thing with this is, and he was quite receptive, and the group of them are actually on pilgrimage. So they're going from all of these Muslim countries, going to mosques, having different meetings. So they're like, they're not just any kind of Muslim. They're Muslims who, who believe in what they believe, and they want to reach the world. And uh, so we had good engagement, and he's not an imam. I don't know if he wants to become an imam, uh, but he's pretty educated in the Quran and the studies, and, and he's actually retired, and this is, this is the cool thing. This is a guy of influence. Um, he's, a, he's a retired chemical engineer, and he was the vice president of Petronas in Malaysia. If you don't know what Petronas is, then um, it's our equivalent of Engine, Caltex, um, and he was the vice president of them. They've got about 50,000 employees. And so he's, a, he's such a person of significance, firstly because of his credibility, because of his career, because of uh, uh, um, just that, but then also for his family, because his whole family is Muslim. And, and uh, I got to meet him, engage with him, exchange uh, cell phone numbers, and I've been in engagement with him, and I'm praying about how to effectively make him realize, because one of the things that a lot of Muslims, and him specifically, believe is that we're all going to go to heaven. It doesn't really matter if you're Christian, or whether you're Muslim, or whatever you believe, like, if you're a good person, you're going to heaven, which is not the case. And uh, so, I wanna, I'm, I'm keeping the door open, but also praying for an opportunity to actually share with him that we believe Yes, there's a lot of similarities in what we believe, but there's one big difference. And it's Jesus Christ that died, was raised from the dead, for us to be one with God and experience eternal life. And so I'm, I'm super thankful for that opportunity and also being able to share with Him and give Him a response to the hope that I've got. If I was not able to give Him a response for the hope that I've got, guess what? He'd have climbed off of that plane not considering or thinking anything more about Christianity than before we went onto that plane. So it's super important for us to know why we believe what we believe. As Christians, as children of God, we need to know why we believe what we believe. Otherwise, we cannot be fruitful in advancing God's kingdom. Closing passage of Scripture. Matthew 10, verse 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. My eyes throughout the strip have opened and seen something that I cannot unsee. There's a world out there that is lost, that have got no hope. They think leaving a country is going to answer their problem. It's not. You think leaving South Africa is the answer to your problem. It's not. Realizing the hope of the gospel and growing in that and living out your purpose as child of God and ambassador of, of God our King is the answer to your hopelessness. God is sending us out and we need to be wise and gentle as doves. We need to be wise. How can you be wise? By knowing why you believe what you believe. By being strategic. Having a support. And that's why, like I said, if you feel, feel called out to go to into some of these unreached people groups of the world, you're going to need support. We want to support you as a ministry. We want to enable you to be fruitful. We want to enable you not to burn out after five years because it's difficult. Because it is going to be difficult. How do I know? Because we've got family in Albania, Carl and Alicia. They've had a difficult time there. But praise God, they're still running the race because they've got a support. They've got a family that loves them. They've got a family that loves them so much that they send... 
Their campus pastors to go and minister to them and to support them and to see what they're busy with and co-labor with them. The people of Albania and the Balkans are ready to hear about the hope of the gospel. Like I said, their version of Jesus is completely diluted and skewed. And so we get to bring them the undiluted Jesus, the undiluted message of the gospel. Communism, unfortunately, has made it very difficult for people to be open to anything new, anything different. Anything that maybe seems like bondage or oppression, which obviously the gospel is not, relationship with God is not. But we need to be super strategic and be wise about how we're doing this. And so as a ministry, we, we continually seeking and uh, looking for ways to do, be more purposeful, to be more fruitful in how we bring the gospel to people. Romans 10 verse 13 to 15. Like I said, we've got a work to do here in South Africa, but there's also a lot of work for us to do in the unreached people groups of the world. Romans 10, 13 to 15, and this is so applicable to Albania and what we were all part of through going or through you sending us in prayer. For whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So how are you saved? Calling on the name of the Lord. Uh, uh, and what does that mean? How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Case in point. The people of Albania cannot believe the gospel if they have not heard the gospel. They cannot hear the gospel if someone hasn't preached to them. Someone can't preach to them if someone is not going there. And we went there. And we're busy doing a work there. And praise God that all of us were part of that. And the significance of the work that we have been doing there will echo into eternity. Some of you are sitting here thinking, ah, it doesn't make sense to me. It's just the finances we spent... I just don't experience the, the difference yet. Like I haven't like felt the goosebump. I haven't heard an audible voice from God confirming that this is what we were supposed to do. I can guarantee you one day in heaven, if not now, your eyes will be open and you'll experience something supernatural that you would have never imagined in your wildest dreams of what is taking place right now as we speak through the seed that has been sown in Albania and in the surrounding countries. Romans 12 verse 1, Beloved friends, what should be our re proper response to God's marvelous good mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be sacred living sacrifices and love and holiness, experiencing all that delights His heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Our genuine expression of worship is life surrendered. Living yes, Lord, lives. And that comes from a proper response, a response to His marvelous mercies, a response to what has Jesus done for me. What Jesus did for each one of us is, is more than any person could ever do for you. It's more than any amount of money can do for you. It's more than any miracle can do for you. What Jesus did for you by making you right with your heavenly Father is the greatest thing that will ever happen to you. Now we need to grow in this and ask God, what is my response to this? If you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, please contact us at info at gracelife.co or visit us at gracelife.co.